Good evening, everybody. You have reached retirement age by central government rules. Sixty-two is the maximum they allow, Hallelujah. but we are still going live. Tenth day of this fourth month, our sixty-second Q and A. We just thank God for His grace. <clears throat> Though there are so many restrictions for meeting and the COVID is spiking, that we can still have this option where we can reach you where you are. We have questions. And we trust God, He will give us the answers, and the answers will glorify Him and satisfy you. We thank for everyone who sends the questions. I know you're hurting. I know there is so much doubt, confusion, but our God will bring order <clears throat> in the midst of confusion. So this evening, before we go into the Word, again for GTC Hyderabad, if you are tuned in, let me tell you that the quota is already full. We're not meeting at GTC Church at Jeevan Jyoti tomorrow because of the COVID restrictions. They brought down the number to 15, so it doesn't make any sense going there. So we'll be meeting here, and I set out the announcement in the group, and it was it's already full. So now those latecomers, I'm telling them I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, there is no space. Because I always factor the worship team in, and then the rest of the slots are open but that's all gone so please remember uh you can watch online and if you're coming for fellowship later at gss again please let us know so that we have roughly an idea how many number will be turning up <clears throat> so before we go into the q a we just pray father this evening once again we come to you we just thank you father that you are there mm. For us, every moment of our lives, Lord, every breath that we take is evidence, Lord, that you are with us. Amen. Therefore, we just want to praise you. We just want to thank you. And we just want to commit the body of Christ into thy hands, O Lord. Maybe many who are listening, maybe not well in their body, but your word tells us the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Therefore, we rebuke the spirit of infirmity, sickness, COVID, whatever it is. We cancel it out in the name of Jesus because we have been given a name that is above every other name. So continue to speak healing, I continue to speak deliverance, and I continue to speak health and peace into the body and the souls of your people, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. As we go into the session, Lord, of Q&A, I pray, Lord, you give us the wisdom to speak, to answer, and I pray you give your children to discernment and the understanding so that they know exactly what is God is telling them, and they will not read it with the ears of flesh, O oh Lord. Give us uncircumcised ears, Amen. Lord, yes. so that we know exactly mm. what you say and what you mean by what you say, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come at this time into thy hands. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Pastor, question number one. Yes. Uh, from today. It's found in Revelation chapter 7, verses 4 to 8. Okay. Revelation. This is a ceiling. Revelation chapter 7, verses 4 to 8. Okay. The tribe of Dan and Ephraim are missing. Why is it so? They also are not recording, uh, they are also not according to the order of birth as mentioned in Genesis. Does that have any significance? We know about Judah, but what about the rest? Unless Ephraim is included in Joseph, but Manasseh is mentioned differently. Okay. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe, 
of Judah. Okay. Uh, we went once again. Let me, I think we missed out something over there, which would answer the question, because the question the person sent. Yeah, uh, we need to go from verse 3. Then only we'll get the answer. <coughs> do not harm the earth. Okay, do not harm the, if it, this is, this is, um, in progression. The seals being broken, the trumpets being blown. So if you have to read the progression, it is going. So to the angel it is told, do not harm. Or such, uh, yeah? yeah. Okay. Uh, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees. Still we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And of the tribe of Judah, 12,000. And tribe of Reuben, 12,000. So like that you go down and you come to the verse 8. Uh, you will see. 12,000 are sealed from 10 names are mentioned. And the question here, the, the, right, the sister who asked the question, the person asked is, what happened to, to Dan, Dan and uh, Ephraim. Ephraim? Okay, first, that's why I said verse 3 is important because we need to be very clear about it so that we don't create confusion. Verse 3. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. The sealing is not of the people. The sealing is of the servants of God. If you look at seven, and if you look at after that, you see the multitude in heaven that will come through the tribulation. tribulation. So the assumption is, these are the servants of God from the nation of Israel who will evangelize during that three and a half years of tribulation for the Jewish community. So these are not the people who are sealed. These are the servants of God who will be sealed. So we need to make that distinction. That's why it said seal, the servants of God, who will be doing the evangelism. And out of the evangelism, God will have a great harvest from his people, his mm. first people, Israel. Okay, so that. So therefore, when the order is being mentioned, the order is not according to birth. Mm. All the orders in the Bible, you will see, is always not according to the birth. Judah shall go forth. Maybe they are the most zealous when it comes to servants from the tribe of Judah. Maybe the ones who are most zealous in evangelism. Like when we look in the account of John, according to the gospel according to John, the Samaritan woman seems to be more zealous about evangelism than the disciples themselves. So I believe it may be got to do with zeal, how they will uh, evangelize their own community. So it is, get this clear, this is about uh, the sealing of the servants of God. And Dan and Ephraim we do not see. Okay. Dan and Ephraim do not see. And if you look into Israel's history, you will see Dan is one of the first ones to fall away. Mm. If you go to, you know, the book of Judges, uh, or uh, the kings that come out from Dan to Beersheba. Yes. Dan is one of the first ones to fall away into idolatry. Okay. And we know Dan became the headquarter for idol worship from the time of Cherubim. Cherubim, yes. Okay, so you now realize, no, why some people God do not use for ministry, though they are saved. Because they got too many idols in their hearts still. Okay, you remember the last words, the epistle of John 1, it said, children, flee from from idols. The question is, how do you use children? Are they saved? Yes. Mm. Can they be used for ministry? No. No. They cannot be used for ministry. So, okay, you see that picture over there. So, please remember, they are not sealed for the purpose of evangelism or their work. Mm. 
Okay, meaning this is an incredible, uh, what you call it, uh, period of tribulation. The enemy will come with all his wrath against the Israelite nation. So he, many, many tens and probably millions of Jewish Jews who will stand for their faith will die. Mm. But God is sealing his servants that they cannot be killed until their work is over. Okay, work is over. That's happening. But uh, God is not rejecting Dan or Ephraim for the purpose of salvation. He's not doing that. I'll show you. If you turn with me to the book of Jose in English and Hosea in our <laughs> <laughs> in our language, if you go to chapter 4 of Jose, sorry, uh, Jose, yeah, Jose or Hosea, okay, we go to chapter 4, okay. Okay, one second. It is um, verse seventeen. Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. Hmm. <laughs> Did you see Israel's program? Ephraim's problem. He's joined to idols. Let him alone. Don't use him for my ministry. Ephraim may go go out on his own. He went. He was not sent. Okay, because he's joined with. Idols. Now you come to Hosea chapter 11. It's beautiful. Okay. I want to read from verse 1. It's beautiful. <clears throat> when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And as they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to Baals, burned incense to carved images. Look at verse 3. I taught Ephraim to walk. Boy, it looks like a father teaching your toddler to walk, mm-hmm. holding by hand as he makes his little. I mean, that's what I said. You have to read scripture to understand the heart of God. Taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, dance of love. I was to them as those to take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. He shall not return to the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king. Because they refused to repent, and the sword shall slash in his cities, devour his cities, and consume them because of their own counsels. Yeah. My people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the Most High, none at all exalt him. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adama? How can I set you like Zebulun? My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute the fairness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. They shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, then his son shall come trembling from the west. So if you look at the picture, God has not rejected Ephraim. It's not rejected. But he says, I cannot use you for ministry. But he says, you know what, I'm not a man. My heart churns. I mean, it's... It's so beautiful when you look. It, it's, I mean, the picture of the real God is so different from the picture of gods of this world. It is just a father whose heart is broken over his children. Okay, so when we look at it, that we need to realize God has not rejected Dan or Ephraim. Now, if you go to Ezekiel 48, 47, you know, is the, <coughs> the new temple. Okay, the temple during the millennium and the river is flowing from there and all. If you go to 48, okay, restoration. And if you go to chapter 1, 
Now these are the names of the tribes from the northern border along the road to Hethlon at the entrance of Hamath to Hazar Enan, the border of Damascus northward in the direction of Hamath. There shall be one section for Dan. It begins with Dan. So God hasn't rejected Dan either. It's not rejected Dan either. Okay. So we need to understand when you're talking about Dan and Ephraim, not there in that list. It is they are not sealed to be the servants of God. Sealed to be the servants of God. They are not rejected from salvation. So if you look at Ephraim, you read Hosea chapter 11, you see the heart of God. Remember, Ephraim is the son of Joseph, the mm. second one who was put ahead of Manasseh. Mm. Okay? So that is why you have this remnant in the U.S. who believe Ephraim is U.S. And Manasseh is Britain and they keep fighting and contending that God will not abandon as a nation. Because we have your promises. If they are Ephraim, then God says, I will not, I will roar, I will counsel you, I will beat you up and all, but I will never abandon you. My heart churns within you. We do not know if it's really true, but at some level, I believe they could be Ephraim. So you will see Brexit took place and uh, America, no, this, and then this churning took place this year. So Ephraim and Manasseh always seems to be sticking together. It's now there is a crisis, but I do not know because those are secret things that belong to God. So we will see Dan is not rejected. Ephraim is not rejected. But I thank you for that question because this question came from Ohio. And uh, that you are seriously studying your word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But these are very, very interesting questions to ask. No question. because But you see, a question like that comforts all the others who are not Israel also, part of the physical land of him, meaning God can um, God can restrict you from ministry. But not abandon you. But does not abandon you from salvation. Amen. <laughs> so, Hallelujah. So that always gives you hope. Mm. Well, imagine somebody who is a is in the church who believes but is into the world and idolatry and everything and all and when the time is coming at the end, Lord you are my lost because you're not lost. You're saved. I cannot use you. You have no witness. Mm. You have no witness. You're too carnal for me to be used. So you are not sent. Don't go. Just stay there. You know? So we need to understand. Okay? Because, uh, it is sad, but it is better than to be lost in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay? It's better than to be lost in the world. It's mm. like the prodigal son. He comes home. Mm. The father celebrates. But he tells the elder one, everything belongs to you because he lost his witness. Mm. He lost his witness. Okay, he went out and he lost his witness. Okay, I'm not saying that if, I'm not saying that. I mean, I mean, we need to realize, please get the whole picture in. Okay, good picture in. We don't make definitive statements as of theology from a parable because it is hidden. But, idolatry, like you look at the children, when God uses the term children in the gospel, in the epistle of John, children are not used. Mm. Youth are used, fathers are used. And children, the hearts are tied up with idolatry. God cannot use them for... They they may go on their own, they may show their zeal and all, but you will realize they really really never do have a ministry in life. Mm. They never really achieve God's purpose in their lives. Are they saved? Yes, they are saved. So as many as who believed in him, he gave them the power or the authority Authority. to be the children of God. That's John 1.12. But that is using a term which means little children. But Romans 8 is talking about a different thing. As many as are led by the Spirit shall be called, which is the Greek word for the mature, okay, the youth who have overcome the evil one, or the fathers who have known him from the beginning. They shall be called the sons of God. Both are children. Both are not the same. Both are not the same. So that's basically what it is talking about. Thank you for that question. 
First of all, we'll go to question number three. Okay. Um, very pertinent. If you are listening, Gina, thank you for that question. Mm-hmm. And say hi to your husband, Josh, and your little sweetheart, Jamie. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, question number three. Uh, mm-hmm. Why did God not send a warning about the virus COVID? Okay. And about the vaccine, about spreading everywhere. Okay. Okay, if you go to the Gospels, let me look. <coughs> we have it in both in Matthew and we have it yeah. in, uh, we so cannot say God did not want, he warned us Matthew 2024. And 24. 24. Yes. Okay. Pestilences. Yeah. Where exactly is the pestilences? Verse 7. Hmm? Verse 7. Okay. There. Do you see pestilences there? Okay. Can we go to Matthew 24-7? Actually, this is a new text. NIV, is NIV a new, will... Uh, a, they a, don't a, like... Omitted, yes. Okay. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Okay? Now, if you go to verse 3. three. <clears throat> now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What are the signs of the end of your age? And verse, subsequently, he gives a set of signs. If you go back to 7 and verse 8 together. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So we cannot say God did not want. You don't need a prophetic alert. It's already written in the word of God. This is one of the signs of the last days. Yes, we had pestilences at all in the past. But those pestilences were not like this. Because humanity did not travel. They did not have access to different countries. The ocean surrounded. And people hardly moved around. But today it's a different thing altogether. So today we have a virus like starting with SARS or bird flu or whatever. It hits one place. Before you know it spread around the globe. Because the world has become one one small village hmm. because of traveling, how people travel and how travel time has been shortened. So when you are talking about there will be famines and there will be pestilences and earthquakes. Now, if you look, actually look at the record of earthquakes, when did they start recording earthquakes? Yeah. Does it mean it didn't happen before? But we do not know. No, yes. But today, every earthquake is measured. Yes. And it's only increasing in number. Mm-hmm. It's increasing. And this year it has increased more than more 2020. Than. It's just increasing. So we cannot say we are not warned. We are warned. What does it say? If you look at um, verse 8, these are the beginning of sorrows. And now he puts it as these are the beginning of the labor pains. Mm. Okay? Meaning all of creation is groaning for the sons of, of God, God to, be to be revealed. Okay? The sons of God will be revealed when? When the Son of God comes. There's an event that is going to take place simultaneously. Okay, Jesus comes and depending upon how we want to put rapture and the timeline. But these are all signs. And the thing is that people who know and people who understand are not upset. Are not upset. Okay, if uh, go, if I'm right, it is in Luke 20, 21. 21. Lift up your heads. Okay. We are told, if you look at verse 36. 21, 36. Yeah, 21, 36. Okay. 
21-36, what are we called to do? Be always on the watch. Pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, that you may be able to stand before the Son of God. Okay. Now if you go to verse 25 and to 28, so many signs are given. There will be signs in the sun, moons and stars. On earth nations will be in anguish, perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror apprehensive what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken and we should not be fearful mm. because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Mm. At the, that time they will see the son of man coming in cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, what are we asked to do? <coughs> Stand up. Stand up. Lift, up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. near. Okay. So for the people of God, vaccine is not the solution. Mm. Okay, that's a medical solution. We are not looking for medical solution. If it is available, we may take it if it is safe. But our solution is already spiritual. The whole thing, you see, in Corinthians, Paul said about it. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. If you do not love Christ Jesus that way, let you be cursed. What is a curse? Do you lose your salvation? No. You are unprepared for his coming. You are not. I mean, one of the worst things that can happen to an actual nominal believer is to be left behind during rapture. Okay? left behind to rapture. So God has given us all these things. So we are not worried about the vaccine. We are not worried about the vaccine. We look at all these signs that is happening. You know what? We actually get excited. And there is even more zeal. You know what happens is if you, what you call the baton race, no? Where you have, what what do you call that race? Relay race. The relay race, you know? You see the last one speeding up. Yep. Absolutely. Speeding. It's not like the others who run. Mm. The last one, the best and the, the first and the last. Last are the, uh, the best are kept for that. The yes. first one gives a start, but the last one will be really fast. The best runner is in the last. And he speeds up. You know why he speeds up? Because he knows he's got very, only very little time yes. left. Yes. And that's what happens to the children of God. When they see these signs, one side there is an excitement. Excitement. The other side, the zeal for the Lord increases for evangelism. Mm. That is why when you see this day approaching, mm. one is exciting. Why? Yes, he's coming. He's getting closer and closer and closer. There is an excitement. Other side, there is a zeal that increases. And we need to look at, at these both these things. Am I excited? Am I more zealous today? These two things we have to watch out. Why? Because if a mind is attached to the world, we'll only see it has lost. All this has lost. That's what the, the attitude of Paul, he sees everything has gained. Mm. Everything has gained. No, we are not attached. The only pain or sorrow or burden we should carry literally is the salvation of unsaved loved ones. Unsaved loved ones. Okay, that's the only sorrow. Okay, only sorrow. And I believe that Job probably knew his children were saved. They were carnal children, but he knew. Okay, So he grieved, but he worshipped God. And one day they were all gone. Okay, One day they were all gone. Okay, So we have to be very careful about it. What are we crying about? Are we crying about the vaccine, about the virus, or the earthquakes, or famine, and the loss? Because everything that we are talking about in this whole list, except one, this entire list except one, the first warning that is given. Deception. Deception, mm. Deception hits the soul. Mm. The rest hits the body. And we are more worried about the body. Well, Jesus said, don't even worry about the body. Be worried about your soul. Mm-hmm. After you are dead, he can throw your soul into everlasting fire. Mm-hmm. But he warned us about being deceived. Okay? And that's what we should be worried about. Mm. And not about our body. 
what can the virus do at the most what can it do kill you but we already saw death has been overcome swallowed in victory okay so what are we worried about worried in the sense the right sense salvation of unsaved loved ones whether it is older or younger or our own siblings that is what should be our primary concern that is our primary concern so even when jesus was being taken he told the women don't cry over me mm. <laughs> what are you crying over me <laughs> you should be crying over yourself because he saw the destruction of jerusalem mm. that is coming and he knows million many will die you know why because you did not understand the hour of his visitation mm-hmm. you're going to miss it you know what you did not recognize me as my messiah so you know what is going to happen you're going to die and it's not the physical death he's crying over yes you will go into an eternity because you rejected your messiah and he's crying over that and that should be our only concern basically the rest god will take care of he'll take care of no and if you look at once again we have looked at it many times but we turn to revelation chapter 3 you know the seven churches and warnings are given but to the church that is in philadelphia in verse 10 310 no watch and pray he who endures till the end all the warnings jesus gives both in the gospel of matthew and luke here again he gives the one this thing assurance since you have kept my command to endure patiently you have a word there a promise incredible promise given to only one church i will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole earth to test those who live on the earth the promise is given okay i will keep you through it all okay why what is the key you have kept my word you have not denied my name so hmm. and you end your audit you were hostile the world turns hostile everybody turns hostile against you asking you to compromise bend bow or burn and you refused and you will see a picture in the old covenant there is tribulation for those who refuse to bow and they are literally taken and thrown into the fire of tribulation but they don't die they don't die the picture is given in the old covenant they don't die there are three people over there in the mouth of two or three witnesses let everything be established as a witness three people are there they are going through the fire of tribulation but the fire doesn't harm them it doesn't burn them because why god kept them in the fire the promise is given in the new covenant it's a trial it's not it's not localized and covid-19 is not localized it is universal whole world so more are coming like that tests and tribulation are coming and we are getting our rapture timeline wrong when these things start happening god says if you have kept my word refuse to deny my name i will keep you through it all i will keep you that is why we have these pictures in the new old covenant you have a daniel who is sitting there happily merrily in the midst of lions and the next day you have another set of people being devoured by the same lions how god can keep you in the midst of lions god can keep you within the fire the simple thing is that if you look at all these four people in the book of daniel they refused to compromise they kept his word they refused to deny his name god kept them Okay. but in the new covenant even if you die because millions of people have been martyred for their faith even if you die it's no big deal it's no big deal because you're still victorious absent in the body is to be present with the lord unless we start looking at death differently we will not be able to we will not read correctly what god is trying to tell us through calamities we will not be able to 
read. Otherwise, we will only see things as calamities and we will only see things as loss. COVID is not loss for the church. The more people who have got saved during the last one year and four months after COVID has started, probably than any time in the recent past, more people have got saved. And if if our focus is salvation, we will say, you know what, the devil meant for evil, but God turned it around for good. But if you look in terms of material, this thing lost, oh, COVID was the worst, and people lost their jobs, people lost their money, so many died, and recession, and everything. But you're looking in the material. Okay? Material. We brought nothing, we are taking nothing. Amen. Brought nothing. So depending on how we are looking at it, we have to look at it spiritualized, like we saw in the morning. Where are we seated? Keep your mind on. But I understand the grief of people who worry because so many people in their household may not be saved. May not be saved. So focus on that. Lord, pray, Lord. Blind falls will fall. Powers of darkness, we bind them, release our loved ones so that, Lord, and we do not know when it will happen. That is why in watch and pray, you have to endure. We, we just give up. You look at people and say, you know what? This one will never get saved. Don't give up. Don't give up. You never know. You never know. Maybe at the last breath, last day of their life. It's one thing you you can give up on the career of your people and prosperity of the people, even the health of the people. <laughs> you want to give. Don't give up on the salvation of the people. Salvation of the people. That's fundamentals. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Um, this is again the next question. Another question is coming in. Okay. Why can't Christians hear from God? Mm. Is sin the block? Mm. But all have sinned and none of us is perfect. Mm. Even when people say they heard, mm. they're proven wrong and made liars. Okay, so how do you? <coughs> I need to. Yeah. Which one is that? This is question number four. Yeah. <laughs> Is sin the problem? Is this in the block or? Why can't Christians hear from God? Okay. And like I said, I, I guess the question was answered in the morning. Morning. One thing, there are two ways you hear. One is the revealed things. Okay. Revealed things. The question, the issue is that if you don't know the revealed things and we are, uh, more excited about, uh, except about the secret things, because sometimes when I go to these places after the service and all, people sit together, they want. And some of the questions I know is just, just curiosity. No, that's good. I mean, it has no fundamental base. It's not genuinely their burden. It's genuinely so, oh, who did Cain marry? I mean, what difference does it make to you? In one church, when I was sitting, after I finished preaching, the church is full, full of new believers, young people, and one of the elders stands up. Stands up. Okay. And I know he was trying to create division in the church. I know that man from donkey's years. I know him from 1997 or 98. And he is asking this question you know, later. You know. And what happened? Before I could reply, the senior pastor had invited me, stood up and answered because he knew this was politics. Okay. <laughs> this was politics. Okay, so we need to realize, you know, sometimes, uh, no, we are very, very, I mean, like the question about Dan and Ephraim is a very good question. <laughs> it's a very good question. Okay. So, we need to un- understand that that hearing from God, first, let us focus on the revealed things, the fundamentals of the revealed thing. I'm not saying knowing the whole Bible and all, but you will, if you go through the Bible even once or listen to solid teaching, you will understand fundamentals about God, mm. the ways of God, yeah. ways of God. Okay, once we understood that and committed ourselves to, to that, it. Yes. to it, 
then we start hearing more. the other side. Amen. We start hearing. And then I will tell you, hearing from God, there is something. Yes, there are visions and dreams. That is not the primary. The primary is your prayer life. If you do not have a vibrant, personal, one-on-one prayer life with God, it's very difficult to hear because God spoke to his own son, the only begotten son, Jesus Christ. When he came in the flesh, he spoke to them, he spoke to him in his prayer life. That is why early in the morning, and the Bible says in Isaiah, morning by morning you awaken to me. And I did not turn like one rebellious. That is the key. That is the key. You know, that is the key. And uh, once you're heard from God, the thing is that you don't have to hear so much from others. And you're also able to judge prophecy. And when people, a lot of things they say, they hear, they speak. But you know, there's something about prophecy which Paul says. I think it's in Corinthians 13. Okay. <coughs> First for Corinthians 13. Yes, for 13 we see in You know, it is about love, but <coughs> it is about, okay? Is, is that? Yeah. Verse 9. <coughs> yeah. Now we, you know, is it NIV? Yeah, let's, let's go to K, uh, in KJV because NIV will talk about no, the other word we'll use. Is that yeah. NKJV? Okay, there's another version which says we see in part KJV, and we yeah. prophesy in part. I mean, no, it's the same thing, but seeing or knowing, okay? We know in part, we prophesy in part, meaning nobody knows in full. So sometimes you cannot even blame the prophet. Let me ask you this simple question. You pick John the Apostle now and ask him to take a good look at the world. Imagine he has not seen what has happened in 2,000 years after the island of Paramos experienced the book of Revelation. Tell him to look at the whole world and says, can you explain what you see? He cannot. He cannot. He cannot, he cannot explain. Can, do you think Daniel can explain what he saw? No, he cannot. See, uh, what they see is one thing. What they perceive is another thing. And because prophecy is, involves time, involves time, our perception may be wrong. May be wrong. So you cannot blame a prophet unless, of course, he's a false prophet. You cannot blame prophets. Okay? Blame prophets because they see something they hear something and they prophesy. But the Bible is here. We know in part and we prophesy in part. And one of the things about prophecy and prophets in the new covenant is completely yes, different especially. from the old covenant. The yeah. old covenant, they were national prophets. Mm. They were prophesying to a nation called Israel. It would come to pass. Yeah. It would, couldn't be. Even if it's an unnamed prophet, it didn't matter. If you're sent by God, what he said, he came. And if you disobeyed, something else happened. Mm. Today, we do not have national prophets. Because the church is itself a nation spread across the globe. So we cannot say the church in America. There's only one church. It's only one church. It's only one church. God doesn't see the Indian church and the Chinese church. He sees only one church. Okay. So if it is one church which is spread around the globe, let us say 8 billion people, 1 billion are Christians, genuine believers. Let's say 1 billion. There is not a single preacher any time in history who has been able to reach out to every Christian at the same time. It's impossible. Not even Paul <laughs> in his lifetime. Believers in Kerala did not even know who Paul was. Andrew or somebody was supposed to have gone to China. They did not know who Paul was. Later, when it was all written, 
and the Bible went out, they heard about it. Okay. Um, Paul was saved many years later. Yeah. By the time most of the apostles have already left and gone to different countries. While, imagine, while they were living, some of the apostles themselves would not have known about Paul. Okay, so you need to understand. So when you're talking about prophets in the new covenant, there is nobody like a Moses or a Joshua or a Daniel or a Elijah or Elisha. There's nobody like that. There never has been anybody like that. The closest we can come to that, the closest as a prophetic figure, though he's not a prophet, as a prophetic figure, is Martin Luther, who brought the Protestant Reformation. Mm. I don't see anybody in the 2,000 years of human history after the apostles died and the canon was set and the Bible was Radically set. Radically Anybody, mm. anybody, there are other names we use, not, not even a Wesley, not even any one of them. There's nobody like Martin Luther because he literally split Christendom into two. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so if there was one prophetic figure in 2000 years or in our, in our history, it is Martin Luther. He brought the Protestant Reformation and everything that we see in the Protestant world, it's because of him. So he is a figure. But there was Calvin and there was Tyndale and there was Wesley's and all. But they never had an effect like he had. Mm. They never had an effect like he had. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful about it. So when they say, when they say they heard, okay, like I said uh, uh, over there, you no, know, when people say they heard, they're proven wrong and made liars. And uh, I understand it. Probably you're talking about the U.S. context and all, but let's leave it aside and look at one of the greatest signs, the greatest sign that was given. The Lord himself, you shall give you a sign. A virgin shall give birth. Mm. Who has it told the king? Isaiah Ahaz. It took 600 years to be fulfilled. Mm. Was the sign wrong? No. Ahaz didn't see it. His son didn't see it. <laughs> His grandson didn't see it. His generations after generation after generation <laughs> did not see it. If you want to put 60 as a generation, 10 generations, the sign still stands. Yeah. Still stands. 600 years later, a virgin gave birth. <coughs> gave birth. Okay. In Abraham's case, when the covenant was made with him, he was put to sleep and he was given a vision that 400, 500 years later, this will happen. In Isaiah's case, there's no timeline given. It's if you were King Ahaz and you heard, you are thinking, oh, oh, okay, okay. The king must have sent everybody. If ever a virgin gives birth, don't kill her. No virgin is giving birth anywhere. Right? So it looks like fox. And who is speaking this? I see. I see I'm speaking this. He looks like a false prophet. But is he a false prophet? No. No, he's not. He's a true prophet. So we have to be very careful about it when we are judging prophecy. Yes, much confusion has taken place because of the election. But if you look at it, there's something much deeper than what we know that has happened. This is a massive, massive spiritual battle going on. So the question is, did the prophets go wrong when they said Trump will win? My personal take is no, no. they were right. He won. He won. But the election was stolen. Exactly. That part they did not see. Mm. That part they did not see. Absolutely. I don't even think his actual vote count was 75 million. I believe he got 100 million. This was the landslide Ever in American history. Ever in American history. They stole it, lock, stock, and barrel. 
That is why the silencing took place. You have to look at the other side of the enemy, the massive silencing. And sel- If you think you have won an election honestly, why do you have to silence? The simple thing you need to ask yourself, why do you have to go to this, to the limit of silencing and social media that you are not even allowed to speak about it? If you are, if it's a legitimate election, you won, why do you have to silence this? You don't have to silence this. You can test it out. You can check it out. No problem. Actually, it gives more legitimacy to Biden and his administration. More legitimacy, right? Everybody wants to be. That is why even Kim Jong-sung and Saddam Hussein had elections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why did they have elections? Because they want legitimacy. legitimacy yes. In the eyes of the world, the eyes of the people, we won through the election. We are not dictators. We are elected by the people. When you have a genuine democracy... You want legitimacy and why did they shut it down? And all the courts, you need to realize, we'll say the courts throughout, but it was on uh, process. It was not on the actual standing, it was on the process. So we need to realize there's something that happened over which never happened in America's history of elections. There's something hanky-panky took place over it. So the question is, I don't believe the prophets really went wrong. We need to ask is, what is the hidden part we do not know? Mm. What is the hidden part? Why did God allow this to happen? What is happening over there? And one of my things, I'm not a prophet. I never said I was. I always said I stood there. I said the way it is looking, it looks like he will win. And I do believe he will. Because there's no way that a man who went out, even 50 people couldn't come. Even his inauguration, when he gave his acceptance speech, I think not even 100,000 people listened to it. If you say he got 80 million words and his his acceptance speech, not even 50,000 people listened to his acceptance speech. Right? There's something wonky going on over there. Wonky. He has a meeting, 50 people sitting in, so not even to get 50 people is difficult. There was a President's Day after his inauguration, the President's Day. He did not even come out because he's afraid to come out because nobody will go. The ex-president, when he took a tour, there were thousands of people lining on the list to greet the ex-president Trump on President's Day. Okay, so you see this thing happening. You see this happening. So the question to be asked is, what is God trying to teach? But it's God's change. I believe, personally, for my take, is that God is believing is that, was saying that you were not ready for a second term. You would have taken it for granted. The church is not ready. What I want the church is to bring you to your knees before me, to repentance, genuine repentance, to genuine holiness, genuine sanctification. If I allowed a second term now, you would have just gone in your prosperity binge and carnal lifestyle, which would have hurt subsequent generations. Now what is happening in the U.S. is that there's a revival taking place. Amen. Thousands are flocking into the old tent meetings. Like in the old days, the old timers had tent meetings and people used to flock. People are flocking. And where there are restrictions, like in places where they cannot, they go to a county or a town where there are no restrictions, they pitch their town and people are driving hundreds of kilometers to go. You know what? There is hunger that is coming in. And that is God's purpose. It is achieving. And uh, I believe President Trump played a part in it. I do believe his part is not yet over. Because we do not know. So what is, we know in part, we prophesy in part. But that which is when that, that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Meaning, there is a day we will understand mm-hmm. everything. When Christ comes in a tingling of an eye, we will understand all his. Oh, 
this is what was happening. Mm-hmm. Like we say in simple English, history is his story. Mm-hmm. You will understand God was working the story of his son and his bride through it all. That's why biblical history is so completely different from secular history. Mm-hmm. In the biblical history, it is the story of God and his people. We don't see anything else over there. It is about God and his people. God is not interested about China or US or Britain or Middle East or Africa. He is interested in his people. Because ultimately, what how, what difference does it make in the eternity, the history of the world, when everything is turned and put into the bonfire? The only thing that comes out is the church untouched. So only that history matters. Only that history matters. And we have to read history that way. Yes, Pastor Vijay. <coughs> Uh, the next question, um, isn't it common for a single unmarried woman in a dead marriage or a failed broken relationship long for intimacy, love and someone to share life with or someone to talk to? The more emotional needs of women in a marriage are different to physical needs of a man. How to stay put strong in such scenarios? It's extremely hard. Several times not to desire for companionship that God originally intended. Why questions are unanswered? How to be overcome, overcomers on an ongoing, ongoing basis? basis? I know. You see, if you go to fundamental lessons of marriage, which is found in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Genesis 2 and verse 18. The first rule of marriage is set. First rule. God said it is not good man should be alone. The first rule of marriage is you get married for fellowship. It is companionship. Everything else. Even the children are born only in Genesis 4. Mm. After the fall and after exit. <laughs> okay, garden exit, Eden exit. We need to understand that first. And many, many marriages fail. Honestly, marriages fail. is because they don't understand God's fundamental purpose of marriage. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, it's, uh, do not be unequally yoked. We only bring it with unbelievers. But you should not be even unequally yoked with a believer. Mm. Because two have to walk together. And Amos 3, 3, right? Yes. Says, says, can two, look at Amos 3, 3, okay? Because marriage is the most intimate yoking, okay? Can two walk together unless they are agreed? It's a simple question, what together? So, there is fundamental thing. What is marriage about? Marriage is fine, primarily about fellowship. I've seen couples who never had children are very happy. Mm. Very happy. They have that vacuum in their life that they do not have children. But that does not mean the marriage has failed. Because they have companionship and they talk and they have a very healthy relationship going on which grows deeper and deeper. So first understand the fundamental purpose of marriage. Okay, And this is where people go wrong. Because men will go to Corinthians and this is better to marry than to burn. No, that is not the reason. Don't <laughs> pick up that scripture and get married, okay? Because you may get a spouse who's not burning at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not burning at all, okay? Mm. So you have a flame and iceberg going together, <laughs> okay? And you will be wondering why. And she must be wondering why is he not interested in companionship? Why is he not interesting? Well, but these are simple questions which I've heard for donkey's years in ministry, you know. She feels used. She says, I'm just an object for him. At night, whole day, there is no conversation. Whole day, there is no talking. There is nothing. At night, he comes to me. Heard women talk, this thing comes to me, and I feel like a prostitute. 
Because when you go to a prostitute, there is no companionship, there is no fellowship, there is only sex. <laughs> there is only sex. So you need to understand, God put fellowship first, companionship first, and out of it flows uh, physical relationship. Okay? So here, there are so many wives, like, it's, they are like the church in Sardis, which have a reputation to be alive, but which is dead. And there are lots, because they, either they think about the children, or they think about what the society will say, all these things, they stay together. Okay, we will look at, and say our previous generation, look at them, their marriages never failed. It's because society never allowed it to fail. It doesn't mean their marriages were happy. Mm. They were not happy. So many older people I have met, they were miserable in their marriages. Why are they miserable in their marriages? Why do marriages fail? They fail simply because of ignorance. See, Hosea 4, 6 is applied to every sphere in life. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. If you want to look as to what marriage is, then we have to go to the foundations. We have to go to the foundations and look at the foundations and see. Okay? It's, so they are single, they are unmarried, they are divorced. Okay, all of them, okay, and they want to talk to somebody. To them, I would always say is that you should have a support group in your church. Okay, support group in your church. Okay, where you are able to have friends in your own church group who you, you help each other out. Ultimately, remember, it is God, but it is, I mean, Adam had God in his unfallen state. It is not Adam who is saying, it is God who is saying. So please don't ever think that, okay, even if I'm alone and I'm single, I have God and I will walk with God and I will overcome. But God said before in the unfallen state, it's not good for you to be alone. Okay, so what you do is that if you are a man, you're a single man, find a support group of, among men. Okay, so that you meet the needs of companionship. And if you're a woman, meet, find a support group among you don't need too many or not two friends who understand their struggles are your struggles are similar. There are so many help groups like that where you are able to share and suddenly you realize when you sh- see, I, I, honestly, let me tell you from years of experience, most people who go through this don't need help, just need a year, mm. just need a year. By the time they have come and talked and gone, they're fine. Only problem is they don't have anybody to listen to. Mm. They don't have anybody to listen to. We think they need help. They don't need help. They just need to get it off their chest. Mm. And when they realize that somebody hears and somebody cares, they are strengthened to continue. Continue. That's all they need. Because if you look into the house of God, believing God, believers, God has already given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's already. Meaning, we have the power the authority to walk in dominion. Mm. All we need is to let this burden off. And God has, okay, we cast your burdens at Jesus Christ, yes, but the Bible also says that we cast onto each other, share each other's burden, okay? So you need those groups. Otherwise, what will happen is you will end up in another relationship, another relationship, which may be worse. You know, and if it is illicit, which brings guilt and condemnation, you are now like words mess than before. That's why we have to be careful. And what you need to do that, look to God and ask Lord, send somebody into my life, somebody who understands me and to whom, who will not look at me as a burden. 
like I said, in life, you don't need more than a couple of friends like that. Okay? Because, uh, you know, Proverbs will talk about friends, a friend who will stick to you, who's closer who's than a brother. brother. Whatever happens. Uh, friends are like that. Mm-hmm. Friends are like that. They're often, sometimes, their friends are more faithful than brothers. Mm-hmm. Because when you grow in a home, you may have sibling rivalry and they're like Joseph's brothers and all that. But you may have a friend. You, If you look at it, David had seven brothers and then he had Jonathan. Jonathan. But the Bible extols his friendship with Jonathan. Jonathan literally risked his life. He gave up his crown, but he risked his life for his friend. For his friend. You know, and you know what? If you look during that season when Saul was after him, where did David's comfort come from? Jonathan. He wept. He wept. His comfort came from Jonathan. Didn't David have God? Wasn't God keeping him one step off of his enemy even though I'm through walking through the valley of shadow of death? He's not talking about after he became king. He's talking about all the years Saul was with him. God was with him. But you know what? Jonathan also was with him. We had a friend. So these things are there. But ideally, to those who are married, <coughs> still married, not separated, and those who are going to get married, please understand the fundamental purpose of marriage. First, fundamental purpose of marriage. Like our relationship with God. First, fundamental purpose of our relationship with God is worship. Fellowship turned upwards is called worship. Mm. God is not looking for workers. God is first looking at people who will relate to him. He doesn't need, but he created us and he says, come relate to me first. In the same way when God put a man and a woman together, so God gives Adam the choice. He says, you go, check it out for all of creation. I believe all the animals could speak, but Adam called them, Adam named them, Okay, he looked at each one's character, each one's, and he found, you know what? I'm, I believe, uh, I believe the lion looked, the lioness looked cute. <laughs> okay, because they're all eating grass, they talk. Leopard looks cuter, cheetah looks okay. Depending upon what you want, you want a white tiger or a black panther color, there is no racial discrimination, nothing. You can pick. The Bible says he did not find anybody, anybody fit for him. So God created somebody from within him, okay, within him. And when he created somebody, took him her apart, the rib apart, okay, that's what I, you know, we say, you know, people will use, okay, it's good, nice, he didn't pick from the head, she shouldn't rule over him, did not pick a bone, so he, she shouldn't rule, pick from the rib. But that's not the thing, the, the reason God picked one, very close to the heart. Second, so that he would hold her close, hold her close. So, men have to fight this alienation. Alienation. Women have to fight the lies of feminism within the body of Christ. Body of Christ. And married couples who are still together have to learn to communicate. Have to learn to communicate. Communication is the key to this. Any successful relationship. And never be too busy too busy. When I counsel young mothers, I tell them, once your baby comes, baby is number one in physical needs, not number one in emotional needs. Emotional need is still your husband. Baby is only number two. Number two. Yes, he will take the baby, he or she will take your time, will take your energy and all, but remember, the baby didn't come first. The husband came first. Don't get it wrong. 
don't get it wrong. And this is so important to God. He put it into the law of Israel that if any man who is in the army gets married, he gets one year off. Gets one year off. Go spend time with your wife. Get to know her. Get spend time together. Communicate with this thing, you know. And men have to be very the issue. Often, much of the issue is with men. Honestly, I'm telling you, much of the issue because we have only men here, no women here, so we can speak honestly. Much of the issue is with men. Men don't communicate. They're not interested. They're not interested. And men have to communicate, and it, it is not the amount of time. It's not the amount of time. It is how you make time. And simple things is that I'm honestly telling to married men. The simple thing is that uh, you can cook together. You can cook together. Okay, you can help out. Even if you don't know cooking, there are a lot of things which you can do. The wife is cooking. You can say, "What do you want me to do? I'll cut it. I will do the washing." You can wash together. Man washes, the woman dries. You can set. See, those are the things. And you, you know what? When you are doing that, you are always talking. You are always talking. You are doing your work, and you are talking. Those are the things. Okay, and then before you go to sleep, you pray, but you also communicate. So at the end of the day, you have 24 hours and you'll be working most of the time. The communication may be only around 30 to 45 minutes, but it is your marriage built on solid ground. It's on a solid ground. And you never, never, never cut that out. Both women and both men have to be careful about that. Very careful about that. Because communication is the bedrock on which everything is built. And that's why we humans speak and animals don't. And don't be an animal, because animals don't speak to each other. <laughs> like, uh, be human, talk to each other. And today, like I said, I keep telling young couples, today social media has come. Communication is so much more easier. So much more easier. You can pray together, even if you are separated by distance. It is cheap. You can make a call, you can send a text, you can communicate to each other. You know, communicate to each other. It's so easy. It's so easy. I mean, marriages should be thriving today in the age of this telecom revolution and social media apps which we have. But it is not. It's not. Okay, it is not. And we need to ask ourselves, why is it? And you will see there is a block. There is a block. Okay, and this one fundamental, this thing about marriage, again in Genesis 2 and verse 25. (coughs) They were both naked and the man and his wife and were not ashamed. It's a fundamental spiritual thing. There's no room for pride in a marriage. No room. Absolutely no room for pride in a marriage. Pride will destroy a marriage. That's what it means. They were both naked. Open to each other. Open to each other. That's not the way when you're courting. Oh, you are in your best behavior. <laughs> and you're in a tux and everything. And the fork and everything. Pull the chair and all that. Okay. All that. But post-marriage, you... Okay. This old humorous story about couple got married. Middle-aged couple. They got married. And after the marriage, uh, yeah, he told uh, honey... Let me tell you something which I had never told. And he opened his case, took out his spectacles and said that, 
I really never really saw you. I said it's very bad. I didn't want to let you know because I don't look good with glasses. And he looked with his glasses and he said, "Ha, you are okay." She said, "Don't worry. I also did not let you know before going to sleep." She took off her false teeth and put it in a glass of water. I also didn't want to let you know, but my teeth is all false. Okay, so marriage like it is an eye opener. It's an eye opener. Okay, and there is no rule. you find uh, your wife's notes the wife realized the husband rules okay you accept it all accept it there's no room for pride i will tell you honestly pride will kill a marriage will kill a marriage will kill a marriage okay and most marriages are not killed by issues they're killed by pride mm killed by pride and for that matter any relationship yes in any relationship but primarily we are talking about here no in a, this it will kill a relationship mm-hmm. any relation especially and in this case you will see that the bible is very very clear so don't don't hold pride don't pride no okay i am not going to share my problems with him because he never listens to me no i will tell the women who are listening even if he doesn't listen to him pester him mm-hmm. keep speaking don't be proud and to the man the same way she may not be interested or maybe in this thing keep talking keep talking she may not pick your call keep calling she may not answer your text keep texting why because the relationship is more important than your ego hmm. <laughs> more important than yeah, your ego because you, hmm. even if your marriage doesn't succeed in spite of at all when you stand before the judgment or seat of god you will be still cleared hmm. because the evidence goes in your favor i tried hmm. i tried I tried. Okay, I tried. <coughs> Ultimately, remember, like we saw in the morning from Hebrews nine twenty-seven, we are going to stand before the judgment seat. Okay, God is not going to look at the increase. God is going to look at A plus for effort. You tried. I saw you. You tried. Okay, you tried. So we have to look at it because even marriage is temporary. It's only until death do part. There is no marriage in heaven. but your marriage will be judged mm your marriage will be judged where you were open what is the effort you put in okay so don't look at uh, you look at a couple like this sister who's writing from australia went through hell and back comes from a hindu back him brahmin background got saved well to for hell through her faith and somebody brought this proposal she got married he was an abuser and everything she almost lost custody of her children but got favor was there she is single now with the custody of the children and she went through all their struggle and the society will name her has failed but from what i have heard so far from her god sees her marriage has successful and not has failed the world will say oh you are a single mother failed divorce and all this thing god says no oh, you are successful you know what you kept your side of the bargain mm. you kept your side of the bargain so don't let the world judge you whether you are successful or failed because if the world were to judge you the two of the greatest people in the bible were absolute failures one is moses the other is jesus if you look at the time when their service is over when moses died he brought no one in mm-hmm. when jesus died he saved no one except one fellow that is a thief not the people to him priest not the people he blessed not the people he delivered not the apostles who followed him he saved a rogue mm-hmm. who never heard a message from him So if you look at Moses and Jesus they were absolute failures at their point of death. 
But at judgment time, they're the most successful one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. So don't look at your marriage and don't let people judge whether you are successful in your marriage or not. You may be a divorcee, you may be a single mother or a single father, but that's the judgment is not in the hands of the people. The judgment is from God. So do your best. Do your best. You communicate. You communicate. And if you're single, try it. Pray to God and say, Lord, send me a friend if you're a man. Send me a friend or you're a woman. Send me a friend who will understand me. And when you communicate, you will realize half your burden is gone. I have somebody who understands. And uh, don't be overprotective of your children. Because so many of us bring this baggage from our past. But remember, our baggage does not has got nothing to do with our children. Mm. They are another set altogether. So give them the freedom and the space that God gives us. So that they will grow healthy. Because what happens is uh, single parents become overprotective over your children. Overprotective. You know why? I failed. I will not let them fail. I believe that's the reason God took Joseph out of that house, that Jacob was overprotective about this boy. And he says, you know what? In this environment, this boy will never grow. He's not going to grow here. His father will not allow him to grow because all his hopes are now on this boy. Okay, ten sons have failed, my wife is dead, and you know what, all God says, you know what, let me take this kid out before his father destroys him. Because Jacob has brought the baggage of his past, (laughs) and now he's putting it all. So we have to be very, very careful. Single parents have to be very, very, very careful about it. Very careful about it that we don't put too much pressure on our children. Leave them. Give them space to fail. Give them, because it's one of these questions. In the next question, we mm. can answer that also. Okay. It says, some, some of my struggles or weaknesses mm. I was battling with before salvation and <coughs> work in progress on some time now, mm. such as fear of rejection, approval of people, giving up easily and losing confidence, mm. uh, looking at others' ability, lack of self-esteem or self-respect, anxiety, stress, worry, rel- restlessness, etc. Mm. I can see this popping like a reflection of a mirror in my boy's on and off. Mm. I can see some of my struggles originated from my parents' personality or failures. Do children born with sin or weaknesses in, inherit from, uh, inherited from DNA of the parents? Is that why Jesus was born of the Spirit? To be absolutely impeccable since birth? No. <coughs> Jesus' case of course is a different scenario. But in the New Covenant, see, everything operates by faith. <coughs> the New Covenant, the Bible says, anyone who's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. Mm. The old things have passed away. First, you have to believe that. Mm. All things have to pass. That's what I said the earlier part. Don't put pressure on your children. <coughs> be very careful. Okay, we make those mistakes, but be very careful not your children. Your father was like that. Your mother was like that. Whoever has custody of the children. Don't. Don't. You are reiterating something which the devil wants them to believe and wants to pass on. The Bible says in Jeremiah. Let me get it. The father's You have teeth. eaten uh, sour grapes. Yeah, actually. that is 20, 31 and verse 29. You can read from 28, 20. Which basically, it's talking about the new covenant. Okay, so new covenant prophecy in the old, through Jeremiah. It shall come to pass as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to throw down, to destroy, to afflict. So I'll watch over them to build and to plant. 
It's a new beginning. In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. No. Yes, you come from a broken home. You're a single parent taking care of two children or three children or whatever, one child or whatever. It does not have to pass on. It does not have to pass on. Pastor, the major issue, like, you know, I put it this way. The best scenario is a set of godly believing parents for the children. Parents who love each other, communicate very well, spend time with the children, and they make their home a happy place. A happy place. Home is a happy place. The only place where heaven can be manifest, not even a church. The church, there are so many homes coming in. But a home is the only place on planet Earth where you can replicate heaven. And the Bible says that the only place, heaven on earth, is a home, not a church. Okay, it can be. That's a best case scenario. If it doesn't happen, then there is, let us say, a divorce. I would always say the second best is it's a single parent where the other parent who is not a believer, who is not interested, just or she just walks away, never comes back. The worst case scenario is where two people are involved and it is ego fighting for the affections of the children, never interested in the spiritual well-being of the children. It's the worst case. We have, you know, I'm not mentioning this the public, this thing. We have a sister in our church who separated. I mean, her husband just walked away, never came back. And she's got two daughters. If you look at her and if you look at the daughters, they are gold, genuine, well-settled, well-married. You know why? But the man walked away and never came back. So there was a never a second ungodly influence in the family. She could protect them, bring them up as a single mother. She brought them up, they raised the children, well settled, well married, with grandchildren now. If you look at, I, I know both the daughters, I look at them, you know what? They are much better than kids who have come from homes where the parents both were there. Mm. So there was always conflict here. And here there was no conflict. Mm. So the best case is two godly parents, happy home. The second best case is if only the fellow or the lady who's not interested, okay, in the home, just leaves the children and goes away. Goes away. Okay. Children. Okay. And that single parent, like I said, should not be hard-bearing. Should not bear hard on the children. You need to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. If any one of you are hearing, be very, very careful. Especially if, if you are, if you are a mother with boys. You need God's grace. It's easier to, for a mother to handle a daughter than a mother to handle a boys where the father is not there. It's easier for a father to handle, a single father to handle a boy mm. than to have girls. A father with girls and not boys. Be very careful. I am telling you to all fathers who have daughters, don't be violent with them. Don't even beat them ever. Don't beat them ever. Daughters are different. Boys spank the daylights out of them. <laughs> it's good. Girls, no. <clears throat> be tough with them. Be firm with them. Be kind with them. They are weaker vessels. They don't handle violence, whether it's verbal or whether it is physical, the way a boy handles it. Boy will go fight in the football ground, get come with the bleeding, this thing, next day is forgotten, and you will see walking with the... Well, women are not like that. God made them different. You need to understand he made them different. So are your daughters. 
daughters. Your wife, your daughter, they are different species altogether. They are human species, but a different species. Handle them with care. Okay? So, single parents, if you are listening, if you are men with custody of your children, and your children as a son and a daughter or daughters, be very, very careful. Very, very, very careful. Okay? And remember, because you will need an older mature sister in the church to minister to that girls because there are unlike a boys because a man can talk to a boy but when girl goes through a her puberty uh, changes there are limitations what the father can do he cannot handle it so he needs a woman to help her out it would be always better to have an older much older godly mother figure in the church who will help your daughters to go through that process go through that process and help her to go through that process because we can't handle it. We think we can, but we don't understand them. And that's our major issue. We do not, what men have issues with their wives is that they don't understand them. That's what the Bible says. Look at them with understanding. Understood. They go through this cycle every month. Their hormones change, their moods change, and we don't understand them because we have, we will never know what it is, what they go through. We'll never know. And it's every month. Every month. Till they reach a particular age. When they reach a particular age, they move from there to menopause. And menopause is worse than this. It goes for 10 years, 15 years. And it is not once a month, it's practically every day. The husband has to become even more understanding during that time. During that time. And the Bible makes it very clear. Men, live, husbands live with their wives with understanding, giving them honor as weak I mean, all these ustas, I mean, okay, all these bachelors, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Richard, yeah, Dr. Richard, and all bachelors are, <laughs> yeah, bachelors are, okay, very good bachelors we have, they're already trained in all these things. Husbands, likewise, del- dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to a weaker vessel, so that your prayers may not be under. So, live with understanding, it's as simple. It's not that we learned all this in one day, but over time we learned, and now we are passing on the experience to younger people, because the best thing in the kingdom of God is knowledge. Amen. Knowledge of how God and knowledge how God created us. And like God says, my people perish because of lack of land and marriages perish because of lack of knowledge. And I know, you, I will tell you one thing. We talk about endurance in the last days to be caught in the rapture. But you know what? You need a lot of patience and endurance in marriage. Like I said, it's easier to talk to men because there are only men over here. Men don't have patience and endurance, either with their wives or their children. They don't have. And you need to get it. I'm telling you to men, you need to get it. You need to have it. You simply do the things because it is right. You don't need another reason to do it. You love your wife because it is right. It's as simple as God's word said. You take care of her because it is right. Actually, if you look in the Ephesians, you know, 5, what is told to the man is more difficult than what is told to the woman. The woman is only asked to die. The man is asked to love sorry, for his wife. Is, woman is yeah, the, it's the, easy. The, the it's other, easy. Yeah, Submit yeah. to the husband in all things. Mm. It's very easy. It's not a difficult thing, actually. Mm. But to the man, that's not what he's asked. He's asked to, to, so he's asked to die for the Lord. It's the other way. Yeah, he's asked to look. He's asked to die. Mm. Christ died. Okay, And you will realize that is a more difficult part. And yet you cannot shirk away from it. Okay, you cannot, God is not going to judge by our success in the workplace and all. Ultimately, God is going to judge us by our, our home. How did you deal with your wife? Deal with your wife. How did you deal? How did you spend time with your children? How did you 
this thing, okay? And these things are important. These things are important. And you cannot, and, you know, what I always say is that, don't be disinterested, whether you're a man or a woman, married man or a woman, don't be disinterested in your home. You'll be a misfit in heaven, because heaven is a home. It's not a workplace. It's not a career opportunity in heaven. It's a home. Telling you honestly, God is a family man. He calls himself father. And Jesus is called the son. The Holy Spirit is like a mom. Heaven is a home. Okay? <laughs> it is not a workplace. It is not an MNC. It is not about career. Though we may have all these things, but heaven is a home. And a lot of Christians, when they get <laughs> to heaven, they will say, Lord, uh, when are the work timings? He says, what work timings? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have a nine to five job. He says, what? <coughs> Go home. This is a home. This is a home. Okay. And I see it over and over and over and over again, over and over and over again with the struggle. Yet when you go to some places, you walk in, you know, this is a happy place. This is a happy place. You walk into that place, you know it is a happy place. You don't need them. You just walk in and you sit there for five, ten minutes. You will know whether it's a happy place or not. Because if it's a happy place, if it's not unhappy, unhappy places are easy to discern. You will see silence. There's no communication between the husband and wife. Second, you see the children are fearful. Two ways. Either children are fearful or the children have no control. (laughs) (laughs) Two things. You see these two things. (laughs) Two things. You walk into a house, you will know the atmosphere of the house. Okay? It's the atmosphere of the home. It's, 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 it's It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. It is not a house. It is a home. It's not a home. Yes, the woman builds the house. The Bible says the wise woman builds the house. But she needs to support your husband. To support your husband. A husband who supports. You look at the Shunammite woman. You know, he's with her. Full time. Honey, let's build her. Go ahead. Do it. Okay. How is the son? He's well. Why do you need a donkey? Take it. I trust you. I trust your decisions. I've seen you. Go ahead. Do it. Okay, and that's what God is talking about. You know what happens? They had a very good marriage. Though they did not have a child for many, many years. They had a very good marriage. You know, they did not have a child. The child was a miracle. But they had a wonderful marriage because there was communication. There was a communication. Yet you will think that the the woman is not talking much. But the fact is that he husband trusts her with his heart because they have talked much. Mm talked much. Okay. As you grow older in a marriage, you will actually realize you don't talk much. You talk less. You know why? Because you have already established communication. You don't need to talk much. You don't talk too much. You know each other so well. You know each other so well. And you will understand this also with your relationship with God. God doesn't have to talk to you much. You don't have to talk to God much. There's a communication established. I love you. You love me. I trust you. You trust me. You're good. You can go through days without God speaking to you. You know, it is fine. It is fine. It is fine. It is well with my soul. Okay? You have to take these two things into relationship. And that's that's what life is all about. Love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, <laughs> this summer has come. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have no ladies today. The lizard has mm-hmm. come. We had so much excitement during worship yesterday because mm-hmm. two lizards came. <laughs>
Okay. Pastor Vijay, we'll close we it there. Done. We are done. Hmm? Yes. So my dear sister in Australia, I hope I answered your, I know you've gone through, I, I just, I just love you. I just sympathize. My heart is with you because I know you from years, years back. I know what you, what you suffered for your faith, the rejection because you came from this conservative orthodox family and you were the only one saved. What you went through for your faith and then this proposal, so-called believing boy, you married and the horror you went through that two kids in a foreign nation, the battles you have to go, the violence you went through, the custody battles. I know, I, and I, I see the wounds and the hurt, but I'm saying, stand firm. Thank God. Kids are with you. They're going to, I saw your curriculum. It's a fantastic Christian school your children are in. And you've got a good church. I believe you've got a good church. Stay strong. God is with you. He will not forget your labor of love. Mm. And if I'm right from what you told me in your letters, before your parents died, I think they got saved. It's a miracle. It's incredible mercy of God that they got touched. And the grief, you grieve that your parents died almost around the same time. You grieve that you put your father and mother through so much grief. But let me tell you, their hurt was real, but it was not true. Mm. They grieved that their daughter abandoned their faith and then married a Christian and all. What happened in a marriage is a different thing altogether. But all your decisions were true, that Christ is true, your salvation is true, the man whom you believed that he was a genuine believer and married, all your actions were true. And over their actions, if they grieved, the grief was real, but it was not true. So you don't have to go through guilt over it. You don't have to go guilt. Like Dr. Richard is there. Okay. If one of you has something and he cuts you to take it out, mm. he, does a, he, he does a surgery on you. The pain is real, but it's not true. It's not true. Oh, why are you doing this to me? No. He's doing it to you because he cares for you. Mm. Okay. In the same way, the pain is real. But the pain they went through thinking that what you did to us is terrible and wrong and everything. No, it's not true. It is not true. So that's how you escape this guilt and condemnation. There are so many caught in that way, in different, different scenarios. God is not saying that your pain is not real. But he's saying that the condemnation you're attaching to that, the guilt that you're attaching to that is not real. It's not true. It is not true. You know, imagine doctors, surgeons especially, if they believe every surgery, they go with guilt and condemnation. How will they survive? <laughs> you know, poor fellow, I put him to sleep, I cut him open, mm-hmm. then I stitched him together. Lord, when did the torture end? How many people do I have to cut open? You know, they don't go through guilt mm-hmm. or condemnation. And sometimes their patients die mm-hmm. in spite of their best efforts. They die. But they knew the intention was always good. It was not. That's how God says he wounds us. Then he binds us. Because his intention is always our righteousness. We grow in righteousness and in his holiness. Amen? Amen. And all around the world, wherever you are listening from New York to Australia to Melbourne especially, we love you. We really, really love you. And we do not know whether we will miss you. We will see you in this life, most of you. But you know what? Like, the rich man could recognize even from hell Abraham. 
when that occasion takes place in a twinkling of an eye, we'll all know each other. Hey, GDC, 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 GDC. Hey, you're from Australia. You're from, oh, you're from GDC, Hyderabad. We never saw you because the camera was never turned. But I know your name. Okay, it's going to be an exciting day on that day when, of course, every language, every tribe, GDC will stand together. Amen. It will be a huge, huge group. We will stand together and everybody will know we were one in the spirit. We listened to the same word. We listened to the same worship. And it was not the other times. <coughs> it was the pandemic that made us one body. Mm. When we were not allowed to gather and when we started ministry, okay, we became one body because everybody was tuning in and they heard and they knew. So we'll become, we'll ultimately we'll become one body. Okay, though we are separated. So we just want to tell you that we love you and we pray for you, pray for us. We are going through a, the worst spike in the world, I think, and COVID is in India right now. Mm. But we have come through it. All of us have come through it. We are COVID mukt. Mukt. <laughs> Not vaccine. Only one vaccinated. I think mm. two vaccinated people are there in the church. And the rest of us are already <clears throat> fine without vaccination. And we'll come through. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Yes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this time that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, that you're such an awesome God. You speak to our hearts. Lord, you are our Father, truly, Lord, truly, as a Father. Disciplines as children, Lord, you discipline us. Not to, Father, destroy us, but so that we can be made partakers of your holiness. Our earthly fathers, they only do it for our for their pleasure, but Lord, because you do it for our good, Lord Jesus. We just want to thank you that you are our Father. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you for all the questions that your children have uh, sent to, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the answers. I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, that we will be exhorted, comforted, and truly challenged, oh, Lord, Father, through all the answers that we have received. Just not the people who have, those who have asked, but every one of us who have been a part of this. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you, that you would, Lord, minister to us, strengthen our resolve, make our convictions even more stronger, oh, Lord Jesus, that we will truly uh, receive every word that you have spoken into our lives and put it to practice into our lives, oh, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for this time. And even as we, Father, uh, retire for this night, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you that your presence would be here with us and with all of our brethren all around the world, Lord Jesus, until you grant us the time and the opportunity to meet once again, Lord. We commit ourselves to your kind hands. Grant us another day, Father, so that we can continuously prepare ourselves for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.